everyone, it's Alicia here with Leah. Hello. On another mini-sode of the Investigation Game. This week we're talking about Van's episode, and Van is a small business owner that had a pretty hefty embezzlement case. Yeah, he did. About four years ago. <sighs> Just hearing that episode broke my heart. I know. Having that much money stolen, which I won't say how much, because mm -hmm. I feel like that that's a spoiler of the episode. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to that, then listen to this mini-sode. But having that much money stolen is like damage enough. Yeah. But then finding out the number of people who conspired together mm -hmm. and, you know, the word we like to use in the fraud circles is colluded together yeah. to pull that off. Man, I just don't think I would trust anyone ever again. I don't think so either. <laughs> Which actually brings us what we're talking about today is the whole trust thing. If you're ready. Yeah. We're going to start the timer. I remember this time. I know. I'm so proud. Here we go. Okay, cool. So my first question is, what is a good middle ground for business owners between being an absentee owner and kind of like a helicopter mom? Right. It's tough. Actually, Van and I kind of talked about this off the record, <laughs> but just talking about, we were talking about how he can continue, especially after having so much trust broken, how can he move forward in his business without having to be there every day, you know? And mm -hmm. he was kind of talking about it from like a retirement perspective. I told him, I really, I mean, obviously this is a little self-promoting for us, but I really think that it's through data analytics. That way you can be in the know without hovering over people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cause you want to have a great work environment that you trust your employees, but then also you need to know the pulse of what's going on too. And so what I told him was the ACFE talks about having a perception of detection. The way that I like to structure it, even here at Workman is, you know, we talked about this on the, the previous mini-sode, but identifying where are some of these risks and then creating ways to detect when something's going wrong and then you just go ask about it like mm -hmm. ask those questions and if that is part of your culture it's not that you're not trusting people you're just following up on hey this kind of looks weird and it can just be a question and i've had to do that mm -hmm. with people and some of them worked out some of them they really were inflating their time you know mm -hmm. and they weren't with us any longer mm -hmm. but it's just knowing that if I'm going to break a rule or collude with someone else or whatever, that somehow Leah has ways that she's going to see that this is happening. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think you can still be in the know, but then also mm -hmm. giving your employees the room, you know, like where you're not micromanaging them. Okay. So it's basically having the tools like Van had set up, but every so often going in and checking them. Yeah, absolutely. So it's... Not completely removing yourself, but still having just a little bit of a... Right. I mean, that's why we tell business owners, like, go look at your bank statement every mm -hmm. month. That's just one of those ways. Just have that be part of your process so that you can detect it if something happens. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've said this before, it sounds negative, but when something happens. Yeah. Because we're just dealing with people, mm -hmm. you know, and people get in tight spots and they don't want to talk about it. And so create a culture that can have that perception of detection. But then at the same time, having a culture where I really hope that if one of my employees is struggling financially, that they'll come talk to me before using my resources yeah. to alleviate their problem or, you know, solve their problem or alleviate their need. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So my next question 
is at one point in the interview, he talks about the CEO and the bookkeeper opening a bank account at a separate bank. Yeah. So in that situation, who's at fault? That's really tough to catch from the owner's perspective, unless he had seen that all of these invoices had been deleted. You know, if there had been some regular testing of that, I think. But Mm -hmm. nobody can ever be 100%. And so I'm not going to say whose fault it was, right? But Mm -hmm. his case is not the only case that I've had an employee set up a bank account similar to the company's name, and the bank actually paid part of that recovery. Mm -hmm. It wasn't 100% in our cases, but they at least paid some because they didn't do the due diligence on the accounts. And Mm -hmm. actually, one of the financial institutions that was involved in some of my cases, one of our analysts actually just went to like set up a DBA with them one time. And and it was not like we were running a sting or anything mm-hmm. undercover. Like she just needed to go set up a DBA for something she was working on. And she walked in and she started asking them like, what information do you need if I need to open this bank account? And they said, oh, just nothing. I don't need anything. This all was happening oh. during like an investigation of a case. And I was like, oh my gosh, no, like you have to change your procedures. You have uh, to know your customer. And anyway, I'm not weighing in on banking stuff yeah. or anything like that. But <laughs> in the cases when somebody has opened up a bank account and then, you know, the company's checks have been deposited there, my clients have been successful in recovering at least a portion of the loss that mm-hmm. was deposited. So let's say $160,000 of their income was deposited to this employee's bank account, they Mm -hmm. got some percentage of that back. Mm -hmm. So in every situation, the bank kind of took responsibility for what had happened. Eventually they settled. Yeah. Okay. So it was just kind of like a middle ground, like checking things and all that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's been successful. I'm not saying that's going to happen in everybody's case, but Mm -hmm. our clients have been successful in doing that. Okay. And speaking of successful cases, I was curious because I've worked here for a little bit of time now and I've seen multiple cases go to law enforcement. So I guess I was just kind of wondering what happened in this case. Because I've worked with federal, you know, I did, I was in a federal law enforcement employee, a support employee for a couple of years. And then I've volunteered at our local police department and I've also done work for the state auditor's office. And so I've just seen how these different agencies work. And so because of that, At Workman, we know how to work our cases where we can specifically identify the bad transactions. You know, at times we can even help the attorney on our side or law enforcement, like identify data that helps support the intent Mm because fraud is intent and benefit. So we're usually tracing the benefit, but sometimes we can also help with proving that or helping the attorney prove their intent piece. Whenever we work a case, one report typically takes care of any insurance claims, civil claims, and or criminal Mm -hmm. claims. What happened in this case is that because there was all this collusion, the loss was large, but divided between all the people involved, Mm -hmm. it really wasn't that much. And so it kind of fell in this gray area of, okay, local law enforcement, this is kind of sophisticated and it's going to take a while to dig through these records. And although they could do it at the state level, I don't know how it is in everyone's states, but in our state, a lot of times fraud cases, because they're nonviolent, they get pled down to misdemeanors. Mm -hmm. And so they do all this work and then it just gets pled down to a misdemeanor. And so that's not really what you're looking for, especially when they've stolen well over the felony amount. I mean, from a victim's perspective, that's not very satisfying. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't feel right. But then, because the dollar amounts divided between all these people kind of fell below 
maybe $100,000 or whatever federal law enforcement's looking for, whichever agency's looking at it, they didn't really have the time to spend on a small case. Like to them, that was just a bunch of really small cases. And so unfortunately, even though we traced it out to each individual, and I mean, it's a really nice report, unfortunately, it just kind of got held up. And, and it may still, something may still happen on it, but I just know that the ones where there's one person involved and the dollar amount is large, like those just, I mean, we can just get those in mm-hmm. and in about a year, it's completely resolved. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately on this one. I like what Kelly Paxton posted about mm-hmm. Van's story because she said, hashtag stop shaming victims. Yeah. And I agree. He was trusting people and people took advantage of him. But we have to trust. I mean, we talk about that on the episode. We have to trust people at some point. Yeah. Like I have to trust that people that I have employed are going to take care of the part of my business that they're involved in. Mm -hmm. I just, I find it so interesting that they wouldn't take a case because multiple people benefited. Yeah, but it's the dollar amount per person. Mm -hmm. It wasn't necessarily that that many people were involved. If the Mm -hmm. dollar amount per person had been, you know, several hundred thousand dollars per person, that just would have made more sense. Because if you Mm -hmm. think about it from the resources of law enforcement are their time. And so they have all this volume of cases. And so they have to decide that where they're going to spend their time resources. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, this one, like I said, something still may happen, but this one would require kind of working six to eight cases Mm. that all fall below like $100,000. Yeah, that's kind of the, that's a complication. And then also for the federal law enforcement side, you have to have a federal crime. So how many of those dollars did you actually have a federal crime connected to that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Fun fact, and I don't know how much time we have left. Um, I've got 16 seconds, (laughs) but embezzlement is not a federal crime. Mm -hmm. And so you have to find some sort of federal crime nexus to even work uh, a case at the federal level. I had no idea. Yeah, maybe... I'm going to interview somebody about that. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Cause I, I would totally think embezzlement belongs inside federal crimes. Nope. It's a state crime. Huh? Yeah. Well, that's our time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave you on that cliffhanger, right? Like, <laughs> wait, but we want to know more. The investigation game is brought to you by Workman Forensics. For more information on the business and its services, visit workmanforensics.com. Find us on social media on any social media platform at Workman Forensics. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or topic ideas, please email us at podcast at workmanforensics.com. Thanks for listening.